0: This is CliffCentral.com. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays 1 to 2 p.m. on CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon. You're live with us on the Daily Maverick Show on CliffCentral.com. My name is Kingsley Kipuri. As usual, I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Thanks for tuning in. Unfortunately, my comrade, Greg Nicholson, is not in studio with us today. He's off living his best life, but at some point he'll, he'll join us at some point in the future. But I'm here, so it's better than nothing. Um, thanks for talking to us on Twitter at DM Show day. Thank you for everybody who's messaging us at Glenn Tyler at Isizulu. Thank you for. The kind words, the commentary, and for the support, Um it's really cool to just get feedback on on, on the shows you're enjoying and the shows you're sharing. And it's, yeah, it it, it 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 makes the work way more fun when there's people on the other side of the internet who are, you know, talking to us. Okay. Time to get right into it. Um Someone we've been trying to have on the show for a while. <laughs> for a while, and despite my best efforts, it didn't happen until the universe just made it happen, <laughs> which I suppose how life always works. Professor Pumla Dineo Ola. Thank you for being here. How are you today?
1: Thank you very much for having me, Kingsley.
0: It's good you've, to be here. You've had a lot going on. I mean, you've first wrote your you know, your two books, one about slavery, one Renegade Colson Peewee. And then last year we saw the you know, the amazing success of your book, Rape of South African Nightmare, award winning. Um mm-hmm. How how are you feeling? How how what's what's that experience been like?
1: I I'm feeling quite good, yeah. but it's been quite surprising, you know, because 'cause you, um welcome and surprising, mm. right? So I'm not gonna even pretend it doesn't matter. It matters okay. a great deal. Okay. Um it's been it's been really humbling to see people receive especially um slavery initially mm. but also much more so kind of rape um rape more recently. Yep. So it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. I'm still a little shocked um and 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 a little overwhelmed, mm. but in you know in the best possible way.
0: And the book launch last week, I had a, I had a chance to be there. Was flooded. I think I was standing out on the street. So <laughs> many people. Such a warm reception. On the other hand, I'm conscious that you're an academic. You've written a lot in your life. Mm-hmm. Does it Does it get easier to put your words out into the world, or is it just now routine to say I write stuff, people read it, or is there still a apprehension?
1: <laughs> well, um no. I certainly. Yeah. I don't know if one ever gets to that point, but I certainly am not there. I'm not at that point where I think, oh, well, this is just what I do. (laughs) It's not, it doesn't require any effort. I feel really like I write, I feel like I'm two writing cells, right? There's the, there's, there is a certain level of ease that comes with kind of my, my kind of conventional academic work, right? Because I've been doing it for 20 or 21 years. So it kind of, there's a certain way in which I can write um Academic criticism, scholarship, um, quite quickly without sometimes, without the, without the, and care about it deeply. Of course, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to write about anything that I don't care deeply about either something, what, what animates me in a good way or enrages me, but I don't, Mm. I don't really like, I, I don't write very well about things that I'm lukewarm about. But I think with the nonfiction, it's, um, it's, it's, it's incredible how it even though it's a register that I come to quite late, it's a it's it's a form of writing that I come to quite late, Mm. it's incredible how much more it seems to resonate with people. And so I it it feels like something that I'm still kind of working on and it's probably I'm probably more tortured um in terms of what to include in each book. With with the with, with the nonfiction that I am with kind of you know a chapter an academic chapter or mm. and, and 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 so on, but you know what Kingsley it's all it's all it's all work that I love right so okay. I'm not so even when I'm saying I'm tortured I'm tortured probably because I'm so obsessed with how and every single bit and you know it it, it has to it has to it has to read right it has to feel right it has mm. to so I care about that stuff so that's why it's tortured but it's not tortured in the sense that I would ever give it up
0: okay. Okay. For those wondering what book we're actually talking about, which I should have said earlier, book I'm holding in my hand, and I'll tweet a picture of it shortly, Reflecting Rogue Inside the Mind of a Feminist. Um, And inside, you describe it as reflections on country, self, family, community, pleasure, violence, reflections of and on living, loving, and thinking as a feminist, Mm -hmm. one feminist. Yep. That's a lot. Is it? <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's, that's a lot.
1: Well, I mean, I live in the world <laughs> okay. as as myself, and yeah. myself is a feminist, right? So yeah. it affects it affects everything I do. It doesn't even affect everything I do. It, it it's, shades it's, everything yeah. I could do. It's such a central part of, who, of of who I am. So I think that my tastes. Um, have everything to do with my feminism. I think that, you know, my desires, um, have been shaped by, by, by fam- my relationship to myself, mm. you know, everything. And so, yes, but it's not, so I think that it's something that many other people who are feminists will probably relate to, but pr- probably people who don't necessarily self-identify as feminists might relate to parts of it because yeah. I am human. Um, but it's just, it's one feminist, right? So it's definitely not a, it's not a, it, I don't make any claims about, this is how yeah, feminists we, arrive at yeah, love yeah. because there's so many different kinds of us and we're all human beings. So while the politics and the intention and the approach, there'll be obvious, clear um, similarities and people will recognize themselves. But yes, of course, it's also me. So I have my own quirks and my own mess and my own weirdnesses.
0: No, and they really come through and, and I love, I love the, the personal stories. And, and one thing is just, I mean, looking specifically at your feminism is you recall your grandmother, I believe, telling you to, to sit like a girl. Mm -hmm. And you, and you sort of reflect on why she might have said that and what, what in her life. And I've, I just found it so interesting how you're able to, to one experience that as just an instruction Mm -hmm. and then also think deeply and say what, what might be behind that.
1: Well, I haven't always. I will. Yeah. I will thank you, Kingsley. <laughs> but I haven't always been that okay. clever about it and and generous about it. Yeah. I mean, I fought. I fought my enjunu bitterly about the sitting thing. Sit and like I, of course, girl. I was little, and she was my grandmother. So even as I was fighting with her, yeah. the way you raised. You can't fight directly with her, but I didn't want to sit the way she was saying. And culturally,
0: sit. you can't email, exactly. You gotta, and also, she's my yeah. grandmother,
1: and I was a little girl, <laughs> and so I didn't want to listen to her, but yeah. I couldn't not listen to her. But at the same time, I didn't want to keep quiet, yes. and so the, you know, um, and, and and certainly, I didn't always think. I think it's. I think the 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 the, the empathy for. Okay. I mean, I was very close to her, mm. so this sitting thing was like like a big thing because she wasn't generally a she wasn't generally conservative, okay. right? She was generally quite quirky and magnanimous. But she just she had very strong ideas about girls' bodies. Yeah. And the sitting thing was a huge thing for her. Um and it drove me completely insane. So but have but 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 so you say you like part of what you like is 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 how is how I'm able to kind of try to understand yeah. where she's coming yeah. from. I think that's come with age. Okay. I think that's come with trying to think about you know, um, she's been, she's, she's, she's been dead for about, for, for almost two decades now. And I think it's come with thinking, well, why does this thing matter so much? Mm. Right? Cause I mean, there's many things that I did with her in my life and that she said and probably things that I got more upset about as a teenager. So why does this thing matter so much? And there were probably other things, you know, that she, there were many other things that she said that didn't irritate me, that excited me or that, whatever. But with age of course I had to think oh my god you know and sometimes also cuz I see bits of her in 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 mm. in in me right mm. she she was very willful Okay um she was born I mean she was born in Lesotho and and she moved from Lesotho to come marry my grandfather in South Africa she'd never been to South Africa wow. right and and I'm just like oh my god you know just she, she she lived all these kind of things um and so I thought well you know she wasn't a coward, small woman. So what is it that makes a woman like that, who is very mm. willful, who does all these things, who speaks mm. her mind, be so persistent, right? Like what might, and, 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 so, and then I, and then I suppose that then came with, mm-hmm. with, well, how do I think about this critically, but lovingly, yeah. rather than like the all-powerful grandmother? Cause as I've grown older, of course I've realized like, well, hello, um, grow up in a British protectorate. Yep. Move your country, give birth to your like, marry your sweetheart that you spend your whole life like five decades with, but also you have five tiny kids in 1948, right? Like, oh my God, like the world is changing yeah. and it's not getting better, right? So who is that grandmother and what is what is what is her experience of living in a black girl in a black woman's body look like? And what does she teach her children? What does mm. she? What What else could have been going on in that moment?
0: Mm. I feel like a lot of a lot a theme throughout the book is this. It's just generations and just sort of who comes before and who comes after. Really, I I think so. Oh, I like that. I didn't think. Is do you think moments like that when you when you when you try to understand what's what's behind what people are saying does that perhaps give you a gentler approach? To, to 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 feminists or older people, people who've just come before you and perhaps some idea that you feel maybe misguided or not quite aligned with you. Are you just a bit gentler, you know, when you put yourself in their in their shoes?
1: Well, I don't look, Kinsley, I'm not that generous, right? <laughs> I don't necessarily want <laughs> i she's my grandmother, yeah, so maybe, you know. Easier, right? yes. um, well I mean I think empathy is 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 underrated right okay. but at the same time there are people that I don't want to be okay. empathetic towards right there are people that I don't so I'm not necessarily I mean there's kind of misogyny and patterns of violence that I'm not um I'm not interested in mm. in 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 being sympathetic okay. towards So, um, I mean, I think, yes, it helps to try to understand. I, 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 well, I mean, I can't help myself. I'm, 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 I'm I'm incurably curious about why. Okay. Why things are happening in the way they are, what it means that they're happening in this way. But I'm not always willing to extend myself to try to sympathetically Mm. or empathetically, you know, um, I might want to understand it. But for example, I don't really want to understand and feel empathy for someone who, I don't know, wakes up and shoots their whole family. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to be inside that person's okay. brain. Okay. I don't necessarily want to be inside the brain of someone who wakes up and, um, slits the throat of his life partner or rapes someone or, um, um, you know, or, th- or, or, or that kind of thing. So yes, I mean, I think there's, I think there's value yeah, in, in, right. in it, but I think, I, I think it has limitations. Um, because otherwise then, then everything is understandable, right? <laughs> in
0: context, everything's yes. okay. Then it's, yes. I hear you. Um, going back to your childhood, I think I'm just struck by the determination. Like, I feel like, sit like a girl. I can feel baby Pumla already being like, <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> stop <laughs> climbing trees. <laughs> Sorry not going to happen. It's mm-hmm. really just about how to push back, but it's just not it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Was that was that determination in ways that played out especially with this not fitting into the mold of girlhood I guess that was there was that feels sounds at least from the book innate as something that was just simply always there.
1: Yes, it yeah. was, but you know, in yeah. the last as I've become a parent myself yeah. in 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 you know, I've realized that a lot of kids, you know, sometimes yeah. when you watch when you watch little children um, not just mine, but even in public spaces, before they sort of 10, they seem to have no sense of self-preservation, right? <laughs> so they're climbing, they like, all the adults are holding their breath because they're thinking you're going to poke your eye oh, out, yeah. you're going to split your skull. Why are you hanging like that? Why are you climbing like that? Can you not see how close you are to the edge? Can you not see how you're going to burn yourself, wet yourself, kill yourself, you know? I actually am starting, I actually think that, Maybe most children start out like that mm. and then are taught okay. to police. Then we are taught as we get older, um, and sometimes more successfully for some people mm. than others. Then we taught more, we taught, you know, the, 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 the a friend of mine, um, Angelo Fick likes to say, you know, sometimes he feels like one of, some of the ways in which we're educated, we have the imagination disciplined out of us. Mm. So I think a similar kind of thing happens. So I think that we, as as you know, we start out as kids who 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 think, who assume, and until something happens, unless something happens yeah, you very young, yeah. or you taught this constantly, eventually you unlearn it. Who think that the world is ours, and who are curious, and who think, huh, if it occurs to me to climb up, maybe I should climb up. Until one day you told, well, no, don't climb up, mm. or you smacked, or you shamed enough times, mm. or because even when you fall, I mean, children hurt themselves all the time. Yeah. I hurt myself. I mean, I was, I was. I mean, I liked climbing, but I was extremely ungraceful. I was not like so a nimble, talented no, climber. No, no, no. I was terrible at it. But I just it gave me so. Yeah. I fell. I think out of every three times I climbed anything, I fell once. And I have. I mean, I still even my adult body yeah. there's there, there there are faded marks from. I mean, and there's pictures of me as a child with yeah. like. You know, like, oh, I, I, there's marks on my body yeah. from, 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 from falling so much. So it isn't, so clearly then the falling and the failure to kind of discover, like to successfully climb up things yeah. and, 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 and so on, it wasn't a deterrent. Mm. I think it's the social stuff. It's mm. the sit like a girl. It's the nobody wants to see your pant. You're not thinking about your panties if you're wearing a little skirt and you're mm. five, right? Um, it's the, Girls aren't supposed to do that. It's 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 that stuff. I think so. I think it's the it's 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 taught, and so yes, I think it was innate. But I but increasingly, I'm starting to think that it's 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 it seems innate in a lot of children. It's something we, okay. as part of training into proper adulthoods um or proper adolescence, that we taught to disown.
0: And another remarkable Part of your childhood I think is Is the way you Contextualize it Within the University Of Fort Hare Mm -hmm. And there's this Beautiful scene Where you describe You know A young Pumla Trying to say Black power Or successfully Saying it For the first time I mean, for for you know me, who's a bit younger, and for other people who who maybe are not you know too familiar with the context, can you describe what it was like growing up in that space, seventies, eighties, sure. just like what what it was, what it meant?
1: Absolutely. So I was born in December nineteen seventy-two, on the third yep. of December nineteen seventy-two. So and 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 my dad um lectured um organic chemistry at the University of Fort and in those days some universities had um a staff. Well not had some, had extensive staff accommodation on university um um premises, property, you know, okay. and, and and so on. And I think um well my understanding of it is that it was as a way of 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 escaping kind of direct um Intrusion by the apartheid state, right? Mm. So there was a loophole in the way in which university was structured yeah. that allowed them to have more say in, in, in their own property, yeah. you know, something around academic freedom or academic, and not quite academic freedom, but the legislation yeah. that set up universities, um, that allowed them to put people in housing that they wouldn't otherwise be able to yeah. put in. And so I grew up then in this kind of really art, a uh, really wonderful, but like really kind of out of step with the rest of the country, um, context because I grew up at the university of, 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 on the campus then of University of Fort here. And this and the and the housing was not just it wasn't just the academic staff who lived on campus. Right? So there were all residential staff lived on campus. So people obviously who lived in who may have worked who lived in a township nearby didn't yeah. live on campus. Okay. But there were there were there were there were different there were there were staff accommodation I mean there were the were academic staff accommod- there was academic staff accommodation. There was accom- there was accommodation for um for the security guards there was accommodation wow. for the administrative staff so it was different it wasn't all the same accommodation mm. like i'm not so delusional as to you you know as an adult now yeah. i can see like okay didn't all quite look the same yeah. but what it also meant of course was that people who wouldn't normally live in the same mm. place so so whether it was because of ethnicity and weird and apartheid nonsense ideas about about where xhosas belonged and where has belonged right or whether it was about the different kinds of blacks or so colored blacks and Indian blacks and African blacks wouldn't have lived in the same street or had been as neighbors or, and certainly any kind of black would not have lived in the same place as, 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 as white people. So you had then this kind of campus that had this mix on the mm. one hand, right? Um, so people living together and languages that probably, I mean, if I'd grown up in any, anywhere else in the Eastern Cape, um, I would have probably grown up in a monolingual. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have lived next to people who were the Khwadis and spoke Susutu and, and the Waltons who were so-called colored and, and, you know, and so on. It, it, mm. it would have been probably much more homogenous. Mm. Um, but of course, I mean the seventies and the eighties were the seventies well, the anyway, the early seventies were also the height of the black consciousness movement yep. right and forte I remember as a child going through various political kind of slight shifts in kind of in in in, in the politics of the campus um but I remember as a small child what what, what I, one of the things I remember most vividly as a child visually. Are kind of Black fists Stenciled On the white walls Of the male residences Right And black power Mm. Uh, So sprayed I mean now I know I didn't know what they were Like I I knew what they were But I didn't know They were stenciled As an adult I know it was a stencil Right So as a child I thought Someone went out And drew it and wrote Black Power, and then it would get painted <laughs> over, and then they would go again, and, and they would do it, it, right? So, I don't know who would paint it over, but it was white walls, so it was a very kind of stark yeah. image. And of course, people were saying Black Power all the time. And, and I didn't really speak English. I mean, I spoke, the first two languages I spoke were Tosa and Sutu, which are the languages that my parents, my, the mother tongues mm. of, 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 of my, of my, of my, of my, of my parents. But, but this, but black power clearly is a word, is is a phrase, and I'm not. I mean, I remember it very distinctly. Wow. And my parents used to like teasing that, um, or proudly claiming that this is one of the first English things that I ever said. <laughs> and I like this memory. I yes, don't know if yeah. it's a real it's memory, but I don't, yeah. you know. But I like the memory because I remember the fists, right? Yeah. And I suppose it makes sense that yeah. I would have said black power and not know really without really understanding yeah. what what that was. But of course, later on, the, the the politics of the campus changing slightly, yeah. not in a, not becoming more conservative, but I guess becoming old, a, a, a more a more pronounced kind of version of of kind of a mix of black consciousness and more kind of anti racist politics. Yeah. But I also remember, of course, that later on, by the time I was like in my by, by the by the kind of early eighties, I also remember the the in the attempt to make the surrounding areas into this ridiculous thing called the cis guy just how much under attack the campus was. Mm. So I remember a lot of tear gas. I remember a lot of, um, I remember, for example, the then supposed president of the supposed republic of the CIS guy constantly trying to come on forte and on like, you know, because he was like, so physically this is to come this CIS guy on. and okay. students kind of stoning him and the cops, yeah. you know, Jeez. the guy I remember. So, so a very contested space. And I suppose part of what that is, you know, Jeez. kind of, Drove home to me is, is, is that, is that, you know, education is political and universities are political. And of course, I mean, as an adult, it's so obvious now. Um, but also that it's worth defending, right? Those students got arrested. And I mean, we hit people in our roofs all the time. I remember as a child, like the cops would come through the houses or they'd like, they'd ask, Oh, we saw they'd be chasing students across the campus. And you'd say, and they'd say, because they thought you were little. Well, you were little. So they you thought, know, you, like, you were going to tell.
0: <laughs> you were little. So they would say
1: <laughs> hi. They'd try to be nice to you. <laughs> and you were not allowed to lie. But you were allowed to lie to cops. Yeah. Like the only time you were allowed, like lying is bad, Except, but lying to cops is okay. So the cops would come and they'd say, Did you see someone? We saw someone run in this direction. And yeah. you would know, you knew exactly yeah. where your parents were hiding the person in the house. And you'd be like, No, oh, I don't understand. I don't. Yeah. He ran that way, <laughs> he ran past the house or whatever. Jesus. Like you just were like, I don't know. And you knew exactly. Yeah. You were like, Oh, hope they don't go in the house and find him. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. I don't
0: know Yeah I'm picturing your mind I mean you had to have been I don't know what year exactly that was We're talking 10 years old 12 years old Yeah
1: Even probably younger Younger
0: And I'm picturing you A. Surrounded by black excellence as a norm Mm -hmm. And then 2. Realizing how under attack this thing is So 1. It's normal But also it's very not normal Absolutely Because clearly it's not a normal thing Because people keep trying to attack us
1: Absolutely And I mean on the black excellence thing I mean I think that also yes, one of the great gifts I think of growing up on a black campus and at forte on fort at forte especially for me is that it didn't just give me a very different sense of who I was as a black girl a yeah. black person in the world um not completely cushioned i mean I still like you know like I like to say forte was a campus it wasn't it wasn't uh, its own city like yeah. we still shopped in the same place I still yeah. went to black schools yeah. we still went to the same hospital that my mom worked at so it's not like so 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 the 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 the, the contrast was with Forte with the rest of the world. Yeah. But one of the things that Forte gave me is not just this kind of being able to take for granted ideas about, about, about excellence, but also about what blackness means and what Africanness means, right? Because you were on a campus where, yes, you know, there were, there were black sociologists and black social worker people and black religious studies people and black organic chemists as my dad was. And, and, and this was normal, right? But also, of course, I was, I grew up, I didn't realize until I was maybe, I was in my early teens. Mm. I didn't realize how unusual it was to have an Indian neighbor and a Tsoana neighbor and a colored neighbor and a Zulu neighbor. And like for people to speak differently, I didn't, I I didn't, it it didn't become a thing Mm. until I was. And, but even more importantly for me as a Pan-Africanist, there were so many, there were Namibians there were people from Swaziland and from Lesotho and from different parts of the continent that I didn't even, that I would probably not have been able to find as a child on a map. Right. And so it gave me a very different sense of what, of what, of, 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 I think often when you grow up in a country as regressive as apartheid was, Mm. there's so much attempt to make you think of yourself in the smallest possible way that, that, to have the gift to think when I, th- to think about, to think about myself as not Tosa. Right? Which I suppose if I'd grown up 20 kilometers up the road, yeah. that would have been the identity that would have mattered the sure. most to me. Yeah. Right. But to be able to think of myself as black in this complicated way and to be able to think about myself as African in this complicated way and that as normal. Right. But also of excellence and possibility as, as my entitlement in the world, but also very clearly, because I mean, I didn't, I was, in, we, it's not like we didn't realize we were in upper South Africa. We mm. live in upper South Africa to realize that this is something worth defending. This is something precious yeah. that is constantly under attack physically and in every other possible way um, is, I think it's something I think to grow. Yeah. So I think it's kind of indelibly shaped who I would become and what I, I think is, is worth defending to this day.
0: I mean, it shows that <laughs> you're, you know, you're doing the work, <laughs> no doubt. Um, and you speak about now moving from Fort where I suppose your identity is, is formed and finding yourself at UCT a bit later in life <laughs> and the clash of you know your black consciousness and and your politics at the time with a more sort of liberal approach mm-hmm. and 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 liberal can sometimes be used as an insult in a lot of spaces. Yeah. Do you remember that that tension of, of of you coming in and finding a you know very old establishment that has its own way of viewing things and
1: Yes, because I but also the thing is you know I enter UCT in 1990, right? So in 1989 we finished matric it's the burning 80s And then while we're on holiday F.W. De Klerk makes That speech and we like Like when we are in matric In 1989, everybody's saying Oh, freedom in our lifetime, but people Have been saying this your whole life yeah, You don't so really, you you don't... Know, Like nobody really thinks <laughs> So to graduate in a yeah. country That is so proudly apartheid and that's on fire And then suddenly while you're on Holiday to begin your university To have this sense of this country, a country that is on the brink of substantial Jeez. change. Um, Mandela's coming out of jail. I mean, Mandela had been in jail for like more than my life, right? Um, for more than my entire life. And so we enter UCT and, and it's interesting. And I think many of us who enter in at, 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 at that point to finish school in one country mm-hmm. and, and, and also people are very strangely already in 1990 talking about a new South Africa. It's not a new South Africa. It's still apartheid South Africa. But people start saying, New South Africa, New South Africa. Um, and, but there is this sense of possibility. Mm. And so I think that then we, I probably enter UCT with my guard down a lot more than I would have ordinarily, mm. right? Because it's not like I don't know that I'm going to be, we, I'm entering, um, a university that, 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 that claims, that has claimed, that's legitimate to a certain extent, claim to a contestory, contestatory kind of liberal, Vibrant student, but it's still, anyway, I'm moving to UCT and it's <laughs> the first time it, I'm an obvious minority. Okay. Right? It's the first time I'm a minority. I mean, the, 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 it's a white campus. On the one hand, campuses and I could, that are things that are not frightening to me. Right? Having been brought up oh, yeah. in the way that I oh, yeah. was. On the other hand, I'm a South African and I'm a black South African. You know, I, I, I've, I've been to, school. all the schools I've been in have been schools that, that were either exclusively black or the last two years still majority black, right? So, and suddenly you enter this place and, 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 and there's this kind of hopefulness and there's possibility, but mm. at the same time, you also, it's also a deeply racist space, right? And it's, and, and it speaks a certain kind of liberal politics. And there's that thing also of course in, in about about what liberal means yeah. and the and the and, and the difficult um liberal thought historically and, and currently has with with, 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 with anti racist mm. um traditions and, 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 and black radical traditions. And so I mean you said he was very mixed, right? I was a teenager, so of course I mean I was you know, I was I was I was a I was a late teen, it was a changing countries so there were senses of kind of possibility and the recklessness that comes with being undergrads that i think everybody should have (laughs) right and 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 that it it enabled in certain in certain senses it was certainly a much more hopeful cape town than the cape town that i visit now right but at the same time of course there were these constant reminders right and the longer i stayed i think in fact became even more brutal in my post-grad years because in undergrad there were that we were a minority But there were still A lot mm. of people Right mm. And you could choose You had a wider range Of people yeah. to choose from I think for me The post-grad experience Was the Was the That's where you really Because most You know the, 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 There's so few of you And now there's like You're in a department Where there's 40 post-grads And four of you are black Right Or five of you are black And one of you is African-American Right? One of that five is African. So it's this kind of, and, 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 and and being keenly aware, not just of being a minority, but Mm. the stuff that makes you a minority. Um, and just like a whole range of damaging things that happen in, 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 in university or just like in the kind of heart of, 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 of whiteness more, 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 more broadly. So yes, I mean, UCT was a, was a, was a, was also a definitive, um, or defining rather, um, Moment. Look, I mean, some of my closest friends are people, yep. um, that I met at UCT. And so they were wonderful people. But I mean, as an institute, you can imagine it was an, it was, it was a, it was an institution that it resisted up at it to a certain extent, but yeah. it wasn't in, it resisting up at it in radical ways. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm sure it was nothing like probably the people who were moving in 1990 into kind of into Africana universities, yeah. right? Um, so, 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 so the race script was a lot more hidden um, and a lot more difficult to 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 name and pinpoint necessarily mm. most of the time, although there were times it was quite quite yeah, quite quite, quite quite stark so
0: You mentioned this sort of Insider, outsider feeling Of of when you now start teaching I believe Of you're now part of the institution Mm -hmm. It's your employer (laughs) For better or worse You represent this institution At the same time You're black in a decolonized space You're a black woman In a decolonized space I mean, sorry In a in a not decolonized yes, space. Yes, in a colonized sorry, space. In a colonized space. Yes. And so there's this tension between the, you are part of UCT, you represent it, but also obviously you can't possibly represent this thing, it doesn't represent you. Do you mm-hmm. remember the the early feelings of that and how has how mm. that played out in your career? I
1: actually think at UCT, they were probably less pronounced than they were in my later job, like in my first proper yeah. grown up job, because when I was yeah. teaching at UCT, I was still teaching kind of part time. Okay. You know, I was a graduate student with okay. some graduate teaching,
0: okay.
1: um, in different, in different, in, 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 the English department, which is where I was registered, but also in the academic development program, which is where I, I did, I did a bit of teaching as well. And then I taught at a different uni- um, now university, then technic, what, what then called a the Technicon, the Cape Technicon. Um, so kind of a variety of teaching things. Yeah. But I think the starkness of kind of feeling like an insider-outsider happened when I moved to my first grown-up job. You know, my first kind of full-time job um, at the University of the Orange Tree State, as it then was called. And that, my goodness, it made me nostalgic for UCT. I can imagine. <laughs> in, many, in many ways. Because, you know, black people, I, like, you know this. Like people like to say this thing. That like we, really, like, we really like saying this thing. And I was like I'm not sure about it. we like saying this thing of oh, I'd rather have an honest um right wing person yeah. than a fake liberal. Yeah. And and we like say people say you hear this hundreds of yeah, times. Yeah, like say to our right? faces, don't pretend. And I was yeah. like uh, no, <laughs> no, people, people who say that haven't had to deal with being 1% of black staff, Jeez. haven't had to deal with students who launch right wing protests to their lectures, haven't had to deal with colleagues, with white colleagues whose whose cars get written Fox Ryer," you know, race traitor on their bonnets. They haven't. It's not, and I, and I remember saying to my friends constantly, no, no, are you kidding me? Of course I'd rather have UCT. UCT is not ideal, but I certainly would rather have UCT than another right-wing protest to another lecture of mine. And so, but it was also, you know, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was also part of the time, right? It was part of the time. Mm. And, and I think that you, it, 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 was, I mean, as I ended that university, the conversation around transformation hadn't really started. Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen some shifts, but I don't, I still don't really think, well, I shouldn't even water it down. I, I, we still don't really have mm. a transformed university anyway in South Africa. So it was a different time, but I think many of those challenges are sometimes more hidden or slightly or different. But I think that in terms of the, in terms of there's still there's still enormous 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 problems and enormous um uh you know structural. And everyday violence in, in in at our at our universities, you know. So we're very very far from 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 kind of having decolonized universities.
0: If I'm not wrong, the first was it lecture or tutorial you read was an intro to was it to black consciousness? Or to well, black... it was a
1: literature. Yes, it was. Like, but I mean,
0: come on, like no. that. I read this and I was like, I mean, you could e- you could have eased in a bit. You
1: could have... No, <laughs> first you, see, thing you actually, did. Actually, I was doing something very boring and very mundane. <laughs> They just made it a big thing okay, So, so it actually was thing. wasn't as So yet. I was teaching I was teaching I was teaching in the literature department Okay And I was work And it was a South African literature course
0: Sure
1: Right And so part of why we, Part of how you trained into literary studies Is that you Part of the introduction You try to give your students a spirit of A sense of the spirit of the time okay. That the literature comes from okay. So in the same way that When I taught Shakespeare mm. I would talk about Renaissance England So that yeah. Because your students aren't living in Renaissance mm. England. They don't know what Shakespeare, and it's important, you can't just come in and say, okay, so we're going to do Romeo and Juliet this week and Hamlet next yeah, week, yeah. and they're thinking, what on earth is this and what is he on about? Mm. Right? Mm. So you, part of how you teach literary studies, how you trained into the discipline, yeah. and I'd been trained into the discipline, is you go and you say, you give the people a sense of, it's not sociological, it's kind of yeah. historical context, yeah. so you try to paint a very clear picture of, what are people thinking? What does it look like? What are people Mm, wearing? What do they think? What are the overriding, um, ideologies, aesthetics? What is, what are the obsessions of the time? Mm. What are the, what are the pleasures of the time? Right? So I would go in, you know, if, if I, if it were for first class on Shakespeare, I would have gone in and explained about you know what Renaissance is. What is the reawakening yeah. from? What yeah. are people looking like? What do the streets look like? Yeah. What do people look like? What are they? What, how do they understand their place in the in in, in the hierarchy? I, w- I would talk about the 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 great chain of being. I would talk about what is taken for granted about who belongs where, about 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 hierarchy, about the spiritual, about what are people afraid of? What have they? What are they so excited about? What's going on? What do what do the little jokes mean? Why, why would they? Mm. Why would kind of, I biting my thumb at you have been such a big thing? Because of course, if you're reading it in the 20th century or 21st century, you're like, yeah, okay, so what are they doing? You know, so I would have to explain what was sort of like the zip sign, right? And then they'd be like, oh, now I understand why someone draws his sword. You right? So you would do that. Yeah. But I was teaching, I was starting a South African literature, yeah. um, component. Somebody yeah. had done the drum decade up until the drum decade. Uh-huh. And I was going to do, um, from kind of stuff rider onwards. So of course I come in and I say, well, this is what South Africa looks like what at the time. <laughs> yeah. And these people that I'm going to start with yeah. are, you know, in stuff rider and stuff rider is a black consciousness magazine. Yeah. It was heavily influenced by black consciousness. And, but it's 1997, right? Yeah i was alive at part of it, right, as a child, but none of my the students in my class mm. know what i'm talking about, right like they weren't born, so I have to but even if they had been, I would still have to do the work yeah. so I just say like so so that's what it was. I was introducing them to black so then i still, i I' to say, well, they're black consciousness writers, but yeah. what is that? Yeah. What is black Otherwise consciousness? Why is it necessary? Yeah. So then I said, well, this is what they're doing. And this is yeah. why, you know, and of course, black consciousness had a very specific relationship between, you know, this notion that art was supposed to be transformative, right? But this idea also of kind of black liberation, psychological liberation as important and a part of how you, you, you teach blackness. You, mm. you help people transform into blackness. Mm. And of course, the creative is a big part of this, of psychological liberation. So of course I had to say, like explain <laughs> what psychological liberation is. Da, 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 so in some senses, it was actually a very unremarkable okay. class, okay. right? In terms of, but of course, but of course it was remarkable, right? Um, because here you are on this campus that has a very strong sense of conservative Afrikaner pride, right? A very clear sense of being under threat now. Um, and so, and also a very strong Buddha bond presence, right? So people are, so how dare you come with this stuff about white supremacy not being legitimate? And how dare you say anything about race? And how dare you? And, and yes, so there was a right-wing protest by two groups, one called the Year 17, who are named after the, the board of directors of the Dutch East India Company and the Quillerinas who are named after, um, Marie de Quillerina, um, who, God, I can't remember now exactly what the surname is, um, who was Jan van Druybeek's, um, wife. So kind of very right-wing, Jeez. very affronted by, yeah. like, what the hell is this, right? And of course, on top, layered already on top of the fact that I was teaching in an English department, and and there they were tensions. There were very clear tensions mm. between Afrikaners and English um As it is, so as if we don't have to suffer through this English nonsense. As it is now, there's blackness on top of, like you know, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, and so yeah, so there was a there was a there was a protest after um, your first after my first. first. And I thought, Jeez that <laughs> killed my naivety in a second.
0: <laughs> and I'm, I mean, that's firstly hell of a start to your career, oh, hell of a start. I'm, I'm curious. When you, I'm dropping a whole portion of your life now and thinking now, you know, when you're, when you're at VITS, um, there's the decolonized movements, there's the four lists. And I'm just curious of how you experience that given you've, you were at a, you know, historically black university with a great tradition. You've, you've seen the possibility, mm-hmm. right? You're not imagining this. You've seen it at the same time. Again, the insider-outsider—you're part of it. You're employed by Mm it. You are part of this thing, and and I can imagine in some ways you you know you're tied to what it is now. At the same time, the Mm -hmm. department and the people you're teaching are younger youths, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's that's you. (laughs) So I'm just curious of you know when when the fallism begins and these are your students and it's your university of Mm -hmm. just how you experience that given you know your life.
1: Well I mean I suppose the big moment for me is not so much fees must fall um which is important but comes later. But it's that weird moment that people treat like where did this come from? It's roads must fall. Right? It's roads must fall. And the thing is for me when I and it and it's interesting, it's happening at my alma mater, right? It's happening at U C T. It's these black students at U C T saying these things and doing these things and and, and I instantly recognize roads must fall as legitimate. Okay. But that's, that seems quite, again, to me, it seems quite like, makes perfect sense to me why that's happening there, right? Even though we live in a country that talks about born freeze and apathetic mm. youth and da da da. I mean, when you teach students, when you teach 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 year olds, you sometimes, Listen to the public discourse about apathetic youth, disinterested, spoiled, entitled, and you think, who are they talking (laughs) about? I teach these people all the time. I talk to young people on different campuses all the time. I don't, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe university students are a specific kind of student, but I work, you know, I do different work with different universities. I mean, I'm employed by one, but... So I never. So it wasn't surprising to me. I mean, mm. there was a very clear sense that there was a brewing radicalization that had been happening for a while, you know, with things like blackwash at kind of, you know, prior to the to to kind of to um uh, roads must fall and so on. But what was striking to me about roads must fall and then fees must fall after that was the way in which so many other people in my country, or who live in this country were so taken aback Mm. and didn't think there was a problem but also the very clear sense of the very clear misunderstanding of what campuses looked like of Mm. what the experience of students was so i think with many people that i'd been at university my generation there was a sense that first of all people thought that students were living the same kinds of lives that we would have right so they hadn't Really appreciated just how stark the economic reality is on campuses, right? They hadn't they'd left campus, so the the out the effects of outsourcing. Because I mean, when we were students, the outsourcing thing was just starting. Okay, right? We had canteens on campus. We had when you paid for res, you had cater like your it included your food in, in 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 res. Whereas we had been saying as academics for a long time, we have students passing out from hunger in classes. Mm -hmm. We have students sleeping in lecture theatres and libraries and under stairs. We have some of our brightest are being excluded for financial not academic reasons right and i think it was it you know it was it was it was it was a it it was inevitable it was an explosion okay. that was inevitable okay and also of course then there's the, the absolute denial and the and and the and the refusal of higher education to transform significantly and so Fallism made instant okay. sense to so me. No surprise. It made absolutely no surprise. What was surprising to me yeah. was how everybody else seemed to like not <laughs> get why. What do you mean? What's wrong with these kids? Yeah. What are they talking about? And also, of course, part of it I understand now because if part of it was also a refusal to accept that the strategies of student movements prior to that had not succeeded beyond a certain point, right? We were also wedded to transformation, mm. but transformation hasn't happened, okay? Right? And transformation has happened, and it hasn't happened. So we managed to get majority black students on campuses, but staff numbers have not changed, yeah. right? And there've been all of these programs over and over again, and 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 also children, you know, the, 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 these these students were saying, um. I'm sorry, but people, the vast vast majority of people who are coming to clean our universities, making universities habitable, are not making enough money to be able to just transport themselves back and forth. Never mind get their own. They they have to be reminded constantly of how their children will never be able to access education. At the same time that we're living in a country where we just lie about if you work hard, you'll get in. That's not true. That's not true. You can get in, but That's you're not going to get in because mean, you're not going to mean, you know, exactly. not gonna
0: be yeah, able to pay.
1: Exactly. You're not going to be able to pay and you up. might get and a huge yeah. percentage of who yeah. gets in can't finish yeah. because of money. Yeah. Right? And so, and they were saying, we really believe the thing that you all say is true about education. Education allows you to be able to do certain things, but, but, but we're not having access to education and these institutions are not changing and this is violent. And it's unacceptable and it's not the time for negotiation and transform and, and mm. talking about transformation and coming up with strategies that just get sabotaged, um, anymore. Those have not. It's time to reflect and to come up with new strategies. And those strategies, of course, are going to be impatient because I'm sorry, it's been two decades. If two decades is not the time to be impatient, when is? Yep. I mean, it is absolutely unacceptable that 20 plus in the, in the third decade of our democracy, we have students, our brightest. Now, the ones we say are our brightest and our mm. most determined and our most driven, right? Because that's who makes it, yeah. right? Not just our brightest, but mm. you have to be all of those combinations still being pushed out of the system because because they can't afford to pay fees. So they can't get into the best mm. universities or they can afford to pay fees for a time but still have to leave because all are leaving and being so indebted that actually they can't leave many meaning, meaningful, meaning, meaning meaningful lives. Like something else, there has to be some other way to transform the society and maybe yeah. transform is the problem. And so I, you know, I, 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 I it, all of it made instant sense to me. You know, I recognized that we are too close to the universities that we studied yeah. in. Um And that, that, you know, we're too close to that reality than the reality that we should, we should, we should, we should, we should, we should be, um, approaching. And so what was interesting, of course, is that later on, both in response to, I mean, so, so people were outraged, of course, by, by, by roads must fall and were outraged by fees must fall. Um, and I think honestly, I think in the main fees must fall has been dealt with, has been handled by most universities incredibly unimaginatively, um, at best um with a few people willing to to change their minds and that's 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 notable um and that's that's important to note but i think also the amount of brutality the amount of brutality with which students in Fismas Fall has been met is actually completely inexcusable. And I think we're going to pay for that, right? And so sometimes you hear people boasting about having quashed Fismas Fall. Mm. Um, universities talking about, university um, kind of managers talking about, some throughout the country talking about having successfully quashed. And I think that that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, they live in a fool's paradise because the impatience and the rage are illegitimate, but also, B, are not just going to go away. Like there's no – where in history has this ever worked that, okay, we're going to shoot you, or we're going to jail you, we're going to drive you underground, we're going to imprison you, and therefore we're going to kill this movement. It, it doesn't work like yeah. that, right? So I think we're sitting on a ticking time bomb, which is linked to various other things that we're just not confronting in yeah. the society around around the deepening poverty. Um and the, and, and the deepening marginal marginalization. So I don't think Fees Must Fall is completely out of step with, with, I think we paid attention because here were kids in, in, in our Ivy towers saying what people in social movements have been saying for the last 20 years. And we pay attention to what UCT kids say. We pay attention to what Vets mm-hmm. kids say. We pay attention to what Rhodes kids say. The university currently known as Rhodes, um, students say, right? Because we, 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 you know, but it was happening at other universities. It was happening outside of universities for much longer, and it's a collective rage that is legitimate that requires vision, not more tear gas yeah. and repression.
0: More imagination, perhaps. I have too much time, so I going to clump some ideas okay. together. Um, in one of the essays or chapters, you you pay tribute. Um, to, to Winnie madikizela Mandela, Ombuyo mm-hmm. Tieno, um, or third person I'm missing. Um, um, Matai, um I'm Matai. Matai, exactly. And in another, you talk about the Remember Quasi protest, mm-hmm. um, and, and try and place that in sort of a, you know, traditional feminist, uh, protest lineage, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Why, I mean, why is that important? And this is the generational thing I see. Why is it important to you to say, to pay tribute to these three people, mm-hmm. to also talk about yourself and to also say, hey, look, this is not, this is important and this is, this is us and this is the same thing that we've been doing. Why mm. was that important to draw?
1: I think it's absolutely, I mean, yeah. women like, women like, um, so the, so the chapter on, 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 on Winnie Mandela yeah. and Wangari Matai yeah. and, 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 Wambui Wayake yeah. is about several things for me. Yeah. Thirdly, just because the, the three of them with yeah. different levels are, are, are just kind of activist, outspoken, historically important women that I've been fascinated by for a long time. I mean, um, in the case of Wambuyi Otieno, I just really come, came pretty close to just about worshipping her, right? <laughs> so she's, she's like my obsession. Okay. Um, she was when she was yeah. alive. And if she you don't produced. know the
0: story, you have to buy the book and, and get on this.
1: And, 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 and I think that it's important to me for various reasons. I think it's important to, especially at this time, but perhaps it always has been important Mm. to have a sense of perspective of the fact that African feminists today, women and girls and trans people who don't want to be controlled are not an anomaly, Mm. right? That there's a long, I think we're very often taught to know and worship and recognize and celebrate, um, um, some of what are often called the founding fathers of African liberation. And there's very little attention paid to the way in which women, difficult women and women's movements um, on this continent and everywhere else in the world have shaped the world that we live in. And 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 also, of course, in many ways, if you look at someone like like uh, I mean, those three women are very different yeah. women, right? They 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 they're very similar in the sense that they're activists and they're unbowed and they're courageous and they're outspoken and they're difficult. What is wonderful to me about their lives is also about how, in the face of enormous attempts to silence them, make them smaller, erase them from history, we know their names, right? There are many others like them mm. whose names we don't know. Mm, and so, yeah. part of what's fascinating is how they they celebrate an, a, an, a, a, a a triumph over erasure, right? But I'm not interested in celebrating them as or reading them and 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 and, and valuing them as as heroes, right? I I think I like, of course, there's something heroic about yeah. them, but I think that often hero heroism is about exception. There's only one. You are so much mm, unlike everybody else, yeah. and yet part of why they're important to me is because I recognise something about 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 many women and many girls and many kind of progressive men um in there right that 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 kind of defiant um the inability to just kind of lay down and uh even yeah. even, even even when confronted with enormous with enormous kind of violence and and, and 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 attempts to silence you so i think that's important i think i think a sense of historical consciousness okay. of defiant self owning Flawed, because they're human beings. Yeah. Um, women is important. I think it's important for this time where, where, where feminist movements, where feminists, where trans people, where queer people, where any LGBTI people, where any kind of progressive sentiment is often made to seem so alien, like you are the crazies. This is not African. Your homosexuality is not African. Feminism is not African. That in fact, that's nonsense. We yeah. have long traditions of radical Africans of different kinds. Yeah. And that, you know, that the, 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 the conservatives don't then, the conservative ethnic nationalists, um, hyper-religious right-wing homophobes don't get to define, um, everything for mm. us. And we constantly mm. on the back foot. So some of it is about saying, look, no, there's a way to claim that these people are actually acting in a, you know, Part of it is about, so, so with the, with the Rimba quiz, it's part of saying they acting in a long tradition of, 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 of women. Who insisted on speaking for themselves? Yeah, perfectly
0: consistent with what, yes. what has come they're before. they're not so yeah. strange.
1: They're not so. They're not doing some yeah. weird thing. They're not pawns. Yeah. They're speaking for themselves. And in fact, the misunderstanding and the refusal to completely engage what they're saying and their yeah. messaging and their radical politics is also part of a long tradition mm. of refusal to engage kind of radical subjectivity and radical women's movements in, in 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 this country. And I think it's important because because I think it's 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 you know we're constant. We constantly. Battling ar- against against erasure, we're constantly battling the thing that says nobody before in the history of Africa has ever, yeah, right. And yet we have this rich tradition, and and, and if we're saying we work working universities, for example, that are not decolonized, if yeah. we're saying we not have we don't have we have an education system before university that's collapsing where is this sense of historical context supposed Mm. to come from, right? So it's not easily available. So it's possible for people to think, I'm the first person to ever think, right? And what a horrible place to be. What an isolating, lonely, unnecessarily so place to be when actually history is rich and saturated and brimming with people who were as crazy as you, who were as... As, as, as interested in expanding freedom for everybody as you are. And so and so that's what what that's 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 what those two projects are about. But also of course because I'm obsessed with Adina so at any given time I'm very happy <laughs>
0: to, to just talk to about it. in I the have
1: A whole 3-hour conversation with you where we're just talking about we or Adiano because I just can't get over yeah. um how how incredible she yeah. was, you know, and she she literally energizes me. I mean when she died, I'd never met her personally, but I've been obsessed with her for a long when she, when she, I, I felt like somebody, I, like, I, I've never been so affected by the death of someone I didn't have a p- close yeah. personal relationship And like when she died, I physically felt ill. Like, I, like, now they've taken, they've taken her from me. I don't know who they is, but you know, it, so, so, so I, she's, she's, and, and I don't take that importance for granted, mm. right? I think, I think, I think that it's, There's a reason why she felt so important to me that that living her own life, making those weird, wonderful, Mm. crazy decisions enabled me to feel at home in ways that I wouldn't have been without her in the world.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is all the time we have. I could easily do this all day. (laughs) Thank you for your generosity um, in this interview and also in the book. Um, It's. It's, it's, it's not a memoir, as you've mentioned many <laughs> times, but it's, it's very personal. And, and I think you really give us a sense of, of what shapes who you are, where you're, you know, some context where ideas come from. And you, and you help us think through things, things like the Rambo Nation, things like the Remember Crazy protest. Um, so thank you. A thank tremendous you so effort. much, Kingsley. Uh, I've had
1: so much fun. Wonderful.
0: Uh, for everybody tuning in, as I mentioned, the book is Reflecting Rogue Inside the Mind of a Feminist by Professor Pumla Dineo Please, please go and get yourself a copy and you can find out what's going on in there tremendous tremendous work and we look forward to hearing what you think about this interview and the book itself uh, remember you can download the podcast you can share it far and wide with your friends and family and we'll be back next week same time same place Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com Stay informed and up to date It's the Daily Maverick Show Tuesdays 1-2pm to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com